And welcome back to this latest episode of Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. I'm Will, and today I'm joined by my co-host Liam. How's it going? G'day, Will. I am going excellently. How are you? I'm very well, and you must be extra excited today because we are at a critical juncture in our Clubs in Day series. Yeah, well, we're at the most important episode of the year. Well, let's just be real. Like, it's not, you know forwards, mids, what? no, 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 it's the Bombers. It's the Bombers Clubs in Days episode, and we've got a, another Bomber interview, and I'm bloody keen. Yes, Liam's been very, very excited for this one, so let's let's launch into it. Liam, can you give us a bit of a, a history of the Bombers, brief though it may be? Uh, yeah, have you got a spare, like, four or five hours? Let's just run through it game by game, I reckon. Very nice. This is going to require a lot of editing, but we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, and Will, I've just taught you how to edit, so maybe this is your first go. Very exciting. Four hours worth of content. Here we go. <laughs> so Bombers were an expansion side last year and looked bloody good, I must say. Finished 10th on the ladder at 16 points, but were unlucky not to have had two more wins after going down in some pretty agonising close losses to Carlton and Richmond by less than a goal. I'm going to say it comfortably the best expansion side last year. Mm, I would I would agree with that. Like, I don't know if any other team looked nearly as good. Maybe, you know, the couple of times the Hawks, like, I'm, I'm really not sure that, like, anyone looked as good as the Bombers last year. And that being said, there were still some holes and have gone out and recruited very specifically for, for key defenders. So have brought in Brooke Brown from North Melbourne as a key intercept defender and then also signed Brooke Walker uh, from Carlton and then also Georgia Clark, a former Geelong player as well mm. as a defender. So the Bombers have really looked to shore up their defensive stocks because, you know, love them as we do. You know, Danielle Marshall is not at all intercept defending, as good as she looked at points last year. And Elise Gamble was was injured for large portions of the year. So it's a very targeted recruiting. Alongside some other taller players that they've signed, the pod fave, Leah Cutting plus has one come in plus one has plus one <laughs> Leah plus one Cutting has come through with the goods and has come inside with the Dons to back up Steph Wales, uh, and that's only that's really it. Like, there was a few players that were cut from last year. The only notable out from the best twenty one is Cat Phillips, and she's away because she's pregnant. So kept most of its star talent and really added some important players in poor positions. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you're right. The uh, backline recruiting was very, very targeted and, and very, very much needed, so I think that's going to serve them well. But we're not interested in defenders right now because we are going to be talking forwards, and one forward in particular. Liam, you had a very special guest for this episode. I did. I had, for the first time in Clubs in Days and the podcast history, we had an interview with a player who is a fantasy fanatic, and that is Jess Wushner, former Brisbane Lion and current Essendon forward jumped on with me for an interview and had a great chat, not only about kind of moving down to an expansion club, but then applying that fantasy lens to talking about what the bomb is going to be like in season 2023. It was an excellent conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it so that our uh, viewers can hear it for themselves. Our viewers, our listeners can hear it for themselves. <laughs> uh, so here it is, Liam talking to Jess Wushner. 
Welcome everyone to today's interview for the Essendon episode of our 18 Clubs in 18 Days series and I am joined by one of the Bombers' inaugural players, former leading goal kicker and also first goal kicker for the Bombers last year, Jess Wushnar. Jess, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Um, well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Liam. No, we are more than grateful for you to come on. So, just to kind of jump off, last off-season and the kind of back end of Season 6 was a was a pretty big change for you. How are you feeling now, kind of a little bit period on, after Season 7, after joining an expansion club like the Bombers? Yeah, I think for myself personally, it was always going to be a bit of a challenge um, coming from an environment that I'd known for, you know, six seasons um, to a new club again. Um, last year was obviously, I think we thought it was fairly good from our own perspective, um, but we've got a lot higher expectations coming into this season. So um, I'm really excited that the club has kept me on and, um, yeah, we're building towards hopefully a, a you know, top eight and some finals football this year. Yeah, because, and, you know, having watched a lot of the Bombers games last year, as many of the listeners know, I am a avid Bombers supporter, it does it did definitely seem like it was quite a successful season. There were a, a number of wins against established clubs in the competition. But that kind of leads me on perfectly into one another question I want to ask you. Obviously, coming from Brisbane, they were perennial contenders. And, and Craig is kind of talked about amongst the AFLW community as one of the, the really strong coaches. Was there much of a difference kind of culturally at the Bombers when you joined or have you found that those same high standards that I, you know we understand are at Brisbane are also at the Bombers? Yeah, I think there's probably it's probably a two-parter. I think that the environment itself is very different and then also the high-performance environment is probably a little bit different as well. So um, I think when you look at Brisbane, you obviously see um, the capacity that they have on the ground and a lot of that is six years of work that we haven't quite had yet. But you can already see huge jumps in um, our program from last year into this year already and see the girls have come back in such good condition that we've been able to really up our program, um, which has been really great in that sort of perspective. Um, and then obviously the environment is different as well, different group of girls, uh, different staff, all of that stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's been a good transition for me personally, coming from um, where I where I was personally at at um, the Lions into where I'm at now at Essendon, and I really love the environment and the girls and and just what we're building at the club. Yeah, and I can imagine, and you know, having had a look a bit of look at the roster, you were kind of the the one of the more substantially experienced forwards. Has that been something that you kind of drew you to to playing for the Bombers? the idea that you could kind of be a mentor for what was probably going to be a younger side, particularly in the forward line? Yeah, I'm sure that that was partly on their mind when they sort of um, approached me and and wanted to see where my movements were at, um, you know, even before I got delisted, but then especially after I got delisted. Um, I think that they sort of also knew that I wasn't in my greatest space at the time as well. So their luring thing was for me to come down and enjoy my football again. And then when I was doing that, then bring that experience that I have. And I feel like I'm in a really good position now to do that because I'm enjoying my football. I'm in a really good place. And now I want to just throw all the knowledge that I have 
towards the girls that are, you know, really starting out their AFLW career. Yeah. I, I, you know, personally kind of, I think your message of really taking some time away to, to practice some good mental health and, and get yourself in the right place is a, is a message that should be spread writ large. So it's great to hear that you are kind of back feeling like you're, you're in your best place to play your best football. Um, and that just kind of kind of leads on to to the next thing, which is you, you mentioned a little bit about the kind of expectations from last year from the Bombers. Is that generally, you know, the coaching staff and management see this as a, a list for the top eight, for the top four winning finals? Has that been, a, is that something that's changed from last year? Or is it something that was kind of walking the room day one and there was an expectation that this is a very talented roster even for an expansion club? I don't think we, we haven't really talked about it. There hasn't been a huge discussion about the expectations um, even before we came in. It was, you know, really quite rushed last season. So, like, let's get a team together. Let's get training. Let's see what we can build from here. Um, this year, I mean, it's it's pretty widely, I guess, known amongst us that we want to not be an expansion team anymore. We want to really just be a team that's in the competition that's you know, going out to win every week and, and obviously vying for finals. And, you know, once there's finals and there's the second final and the and third final, and, you know, we want to make it to the end. Um, are we thinking maybe it's, this year's our year? Maybe, maybe not. We just want to keep building and put ourselves in really good contention to, you know, compete with the really top teams in the competition, you know, your Melbournes, Brisbane's, and, you know, last year a couple of teams like Geelong um really came along as well. So we're hoping to do something similar to them. Yeah, the the kind of stories of Geelong and then and then also the rapid rise of, of Richmond last year kind of present present the model, kind of a few superstar midfielders, but then also just a, a wealth of experience that comes from two, three years around in the AFL system. That's really interesting to hear. I'm going to move quickly away from the Bombers and I'm going to ask you a quick question or I'm going to give a quick introduction to those who don't know or already know it. Jess, usually we have to ask people at the beginning whether or not they're aware of fantasy. And up until today, the answer has always been some uh, variation of no or only a little bit. You are an avid AFL fantasy player and super coach. How have you ended up kind of playing that? How long have you been doing it for? Are you particularly successful? No judgment either way. I am a very average AFL fantasy player. Yeah, I've I've played fantasy for probably five or six years now. Um, it actually started when I was at the Lions. A few of us, um, I think it was about 16 or 18 of us, would get a, a team together and get a comp together and, you know, it all chuck in $10 just between ourselves um, and play through the year. And, uh, yeah, I, I never won. Um, I, I came runner-up a couple of times, but... Um, unfortunately, Brie Conan was uh, an absolute superstar at fantasy and, and no one ever really pipped her. So that's sort of how I got involved in uh, fantasy. And, and this is my first year jumping on Supercoach as well. And it's uh, it's not been a great year for me so far. Yeah, look, Supercoach, it baffles. Well, it doesn't necessarily baffle me, but it does frustrate some of the mechanics. But this is a fantasy pod. We'll, we'll kind of stick to the to the fantasy scoring. Um and a quick follow-up, have you seen that there is AFLW Fantasy slash have you considered playing? I have jumped on – I jumped on board last season um, and I did play um, a form of fantasy that I found through Twitter. Um, 
unfortunately, I put myself on the field, which I think was a bit of a downfall a little bit uh, through the season. Um, and I didn't do too well at that either. So um, it's certainly something that I'd love to get into. And I, I really wish that there was a, a proper AFL fantasy um, women's competition because, yeah, I'd be pretty on board with that. It'd be a lot easier mechanics. But, yeah, no, it's um, it's good to see that there's sort of a bit coming through on the women's side as well. Yeah, fingers crossed that there is a, some form of official AFLW AFL platform because we're kind of really pushing for the for the same thing for the for the same reasons. Um, and you know, I, I wasn't going to mention your personal scoring, but I'm sure you're aware that the medium forward role is not necessarily the most consistently high scoring role, even if very impactful. You probably get more super coach points if there was super coach scoring for the AFLW. <laughs> Yeah, potentially. I mean, like I'm a bit like you. I don't quite understand the full mechanics of Supercoach either. Um, you know, a, a player will have 35 disposals, you know, eight tackles and, and still only score under 100. And I'm like, how does that even yeah. work? So I, I just yeah, know no. that like it's it's all about impact, supposed impact, like marks inside 50, tackles inside 50, clearances, handballs to advantage, all that stuff. I don't know the specifics of the scoring, but the high degree of variability in roles. It really did appear that at Essendon in particular, the chopping and changing of different positions kind of throughout the year was pretty substantial. Um, are you expecting positionally things to be more settled this year? Or do you expect kind of more of that trialling different players in different areas kind of, is Bonnie Toogood potentially a midfielder? Is Ash Van Loon going to be a midfielder? Is Alana Barber a halfback? That's a really, really great question. Uh, probably one for, for uh, Woody, our, our coach. But, yeah, obviously last year with everything being all new and everything like that, you know, throwing people around into positions that they maybe weren't comfortable with um, beforehand or had never played before was just something that I think gave us a, a few different looks and a few different options going forward. Um, obviously, it'd be great to have a couple of Bonnie Two Goods on the park to to have one up forward and have one up up in the middle as well. And outrageous, um, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, Bonnie's Bonnie's one of my favourite players. But I mean, it, it's probably known. Like, we probably need some more support in the midfield for Maddie um, Prasparkas. She does take a lot of the brunt of um, the midfield load, and as much as the girls came through there and supported her. Um, we probably do need to find another A-grade midfielder. Um, and I think that within our club, um, there's a few that could put their hand up and really become those that, um, you know, could have some breakout years. So, um, yeah, it'll probably be a bit of chopping and changing early on, probably through the preseason. Um, and we yep. might find some players all over the park uh, come round one. Yeah, well... You said it perfectly yourself. You, you think there might be a few A-graders coming through. Feel free to give us whatever suggestions <laughs> that you feel like you're comfortable giving because the more information, the better. Yeah, I mean, I think players like Jackie Vott, probably even Steph Kane going through the midfield a bit more, I think they're going to get more comfortable and become really impactful players through the inside. One of one of my favourites, um, Bushy, uh, Mia Bush. Uh, we get called Bushy and Wushy at training. It's quite confusing. Um, has been training the absolute house down. So um, I think she's someone that's going to have a really, really good year um, and probably break out onto the AFLW scene. That's really interesting to hear because another one that I thought you might mention um, is Amber Clark. We saw her play a more of an outside role as a very high draft pick last year, but having 
you know, being the Essendon Nuffy that I have watching the VFLW this year and in the four or five games she was there, she was rolling through as an inside midfielder. Is that something that you expect could happen throughout the season or is that kind of a more of a wing potential chop and change later on? Uh, look, she's probably a player that could play either roles. I think for myself, like if I was thinking about Amber, I think she's got speed to burn and I'd want her on the outside to use that. But at the same time, she's quite crafty inside as well. So you've got players like her, you know, um, you've got Paige Scott as well, who chopped into the midfield a little bit, really strong body, young um, player who, you know, always gives 110% into the contest. And um, yeah, so I think either of those two could probably roll through the midfield um, and maybe one of them will grab a spot and, and re- really, you know, put their name down there. Yeah, and you you basically stole my next question from me, which is obviously <laughs> you're probably one of the most settled members of that Bombers forward line throughout last year, and it was a, a litany of chopping and changing through the midfield. Bonnie was rucking or being an inside midfielder. Paige Scott was one player that I wanted to ask about. She burst out in game one last year and just looked incredible um, and then fluctuated throughout the year. Um, and then the other player that I wanted to talk about was Daria Bannister, who also had some inside midfield time this year. And it sounds like, based on what you're saying, there's options aplenty and it could be that just any one of them just kind of takes the opportunity. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be conversations between um, the players and the coaches as to you know where they see themselves and then where the coaches see them. Um, I'm sure there's probably plenty of conversations going on. Probably not so much for me. I'm definitely not going to be rolling through the midfield um, in my career, but yeah, as you can see, um, you know, Paige Scott and Darry Bannister are probably two of the stronger players um, in the contest and in, in their bodies um, that really can, you know, go into the midfield and create that impact. Um, me personally, on a selfish note, wouldn't want um, Daria to leave the forward line because I just love what she brings um, to the forward line down there, um, not only on the ground and, and in the air, but her tackle pressure is outstanding. So, yeah. Like, like you've said, there's probably a few options that they could roll through there. Um, I'll, I'll leave that one up to the coaches. Yeah. Come on, you've got to put, at this point, you've got to put your fantasy cap on <laughs> and just be like, I want this. No, it's it, like obviously doing, doing research for this year and this interview and just generally, you can kind of see that there are a litany of options at the Bombers, particularly kind of forward and midfield. However, free agency and, and draft, well, the free agency period this year was for the Bombers was defined by defenders um, in Brooke Brown, Brooke Walker, and then also Georgia Clark. And then I don't know necessarily where Cody Jarks is going to be playing this season, but in the past, she has played as a, as a defensive player. You might not necessarily be training with them in the forward group, but you're probably training against them in any match sims. How have that, how has that group of defensive players fitted in this year and kind of, is there any one of them that stood out to you as one that's like really going to provide a, a force multiplier this year for the Bombers? Yeah, it's funny you say that. We haven't actually split ourselves up into defensive mid or four groups yet. I think um, at the moment we're really just opening that door and conversation for anyone to sort of um, play anywhere in match sims or, you know, any, any training drills, you know, to, you know, open up the opportunities for players in other positions that, you know, maybe potentially wouldn't have come up. So, I mean, I'm, I'm super impressed by all the girls that have come in. Not only have they come in um, and they're all really good people that, you know, have been really fun to get along with, but 
they've certainly brought some standards um, that have been really good for our group to um, drive those. And, um, you know, I've, I was super stoked when we got all those girls on board, especially um, Brooke Bowne and um, Brooke Walker, two players that have um, a lot of speed off the halfback but can also play an intercepting role. So, yeah, um, as well as, you know, Cody Jack, she can play forward, mid, back. It doesn't really matter. So, yeah, no, all the girls are really um, settling well. And, um, yeah, there's a couple others like uh, Leah uh, Cutting, who's also come along. Um, yep. And, yeah, so I- I'm just really stoked that they've all come to the club. Honestly, I'm probably rambling a bit, but, they're, yeah, they're all really awesome girls. No, it's uh... – it's 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 great to hear, and and obviously, kind of having watched the Bombers last year, the one thing you could kind of see, and it was obviously discussed after the season, was maybe a lack of tall defenders. So it's really fascinating to see that that was very highly targeted at the beginning of free agency. Um, funny you mentioned Leah Cutting; she is actually a pod favourite because <laughs> in AFLW fantasy, the first season that they run it, uh, I finished third overall by one point. And it was from a tap from Leah Cutting against Adelaide in the final game of the year with about 40 seconds to go that was the difference. So there you go. I'm very aware of who Leah <laughs> Cutting is. And, and that's actually, it's interesting to hear that as well because obviously the beginning of last season was defined by um, Georgia going down right before the season start and putting Steph Killer um, in the ruck kind of predominantly by herself as a, as a relatively young and inexperienced player. So how has, like, and kind of leads me on to the next question, which is Leah comes in with some more experience at the level. Is it expected that the Bombers might run two rucks in the side next year? It will be a chop and changing game to game. What's the expectations there? Yeah, I mean, we've also brought in um, oh, yep. Mia Dyke, uh, Matilda Dyke, sorry, Mia Dyke. <laughs> Talking yeah. things. Uh, Matilda Dyke as well. Um and then, yeah, you've got your tolls like Georgia Clark. You know, I feel like what any of these girls could sort of run through the ruck at any sort of chance that they needed to. So I don't know if it will necessarily be two um, predominantly ruck players that will play through there. I'm sure there's some games where we'll be matching up against um, some taller opponents that, you know, we might need to have the two ruck rotation. Um, I, I just know that it's it's really good for Killer to have someone – um, someone else at training to really work her craft with. Um, obviously, it was disappointing for Georgia to go down and, and Killer was kind of working her, her ruck craft with um, Andrew Phillips all, all by herself a little bit. Um, but, yeah, like like I said, with Georgia Clark, um, Matilda Dyke and, and Leah Cutting coming in, I think any of them could play that role um, as the second or, or even first ruck, I shouldn't. Just assume that Killer will get the number one role, but she she did so well last year. It, it's hard to not see that. Yeah, she uh, she definitely looks she, like she came on at the back end of the year, and also was was kicking goals a few times as well, and got a rising star norm in that game against West Coast, which was uh, which was very exciting to see. Um, so we're getting to the point now. We get asked this question after the end of every interview that we have with players, um, and you're no doubt aware of why we're asking this. Fantasy is a game about all about finding undervalued players or players that kind of break out from relative lack, like with a from a very when they're less known. Seriously, I sometimes I can't get words out. Um, being the position that you're in at the Bombers is kind of a more experienced player. Who is your pick to most improve and break out in 2023? Ooh, that's a tough one. If we're looking at value players, um, 
I was consider I was I was the cheapest last year, but I wouldn't recommend that. Um, no, I think I think I sort of touched on it earlier. I think that Mia Bush, the way she's training at the moment, can't not be picked. So whether that's in the back line or rolling through the midfield wing, something like that, I think she's super versatile. And then if you're looking at some players, particularly from sort of this draft, not that we really picked up too many in the draft, but some of the younger players that are coming through. Yeah, I think I think there's a possibility that someone like a Matilda Dyke will play. She's super versatile. Interesting. Um, can play, yeah, in the in the ruck, could play half forward, half back. Um and yeah, I mean, yeah, from that perspective, if we're thinking fantasy wise, I think that if I'm going to have one person that's genuinely going to break out, if she hasn't already in my eyes, is probably Renee Tierney. I think she's going to snap, snap up um, a role in probably the forward line. And um, yeah, she's been training really well as well. So I can't see her uh, not, not getting a game and, and really breaking out. Fantastic. That look, that is more than we could possibly ask for information wise. <laughs> and now we've got a, a wealth of names from a team that as I'm sure you can understand, there is already a whole bunch of different options just given the midfield spots that are available and then kind of the positional versatility of a number of players. Um so that ends our, our chat today. Thank you so much for coming on and, and thank you as well for, for being fantasy specific when when the con when the <laughs> conversation dictated. We uh we really do appreciate you you coming on. No worries, appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks everyone. Chat soon. Great stuff there, Liam. Interesting to get a, a fantasy lens from a player because as you said before we, we ran through that interview. It's uh, quite rare for the players to have that fantasy side of things, so it was really great to hear. Yeah, and like obviously when we interview players, we don't need the fantasy insight. We don't need them to have played. But knowing that it's when I'm talking about players and I'm trying to lead towards who's going to be more in the midfield, who's going to – knowing why I'm asking that question certainly makes a big difference. So, yeah, great chat. Yep. And uh, speaking of knowing who's going to be in that midfield, that is a great segue into your top five – most interesting players from a fantasy perspective for Essendon. Launch into number one because I know you've been very excited to talk about this player. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's George and Anscorn. Uh, big G. Um, was cruelly robbed of us last year uh, mm. to be playing in our side. She was all but guaranteed, basically before the, the season they've been launched, she was going to be my number one midfielder. And then she does her ACL in the third quarter, of the VFLW Grand Final, which she was dominating, mm. by the way. She had 110 points in the third quarter. She was a freaking gun. Now, she's had an extra long off-season, basically has been fully fit for a couple of months now and has only not started the preseason because of another you know, small elbow injury, I believe. But she's an absolute gun. Averages 108 at VFLW level. She's trained previously and played a couple of games in the AFLW in 2021 for North Melbourne. She's also a former hockey roo. Mm. So professional athlete clearly has a fantasy pedigree. And as base, I don't think at any point in her VFLW career has she had a score below 80. Mm. Like, yeah. she's a freak. She's a gun. One of those people that's just annoyingly good at everything when it comes to sport and 
you said it before, she was going to be our biggest lock as a rookie last season, and I think she's just going to carry that over straight into this season. Guaranteed. Like, it, it, without a second or shadow of doubt, no matter how good we thought that, like, Eilish Sheeran, like, she's basically, I think, the Eilish Sheeran of this year. Like, the player that could come in and immediately be basement-priced and average, like, 50-60. All-Australian team as well. That'd be pretty handy for the Bombers, Okay, yeah, that might be a little bit fun. I'm not going <laughs> to pump up. I'm not going to pump her up that much because it's a very, very tough midfield to get into. But she's going to be basement-priced. I just can't see a world where she's not in my team round one. Like, it's as simple yeah. as that. She'll be no. the first name I pick on the team sheet. Absolutely agree. And I'm just going to put this to here. If she gets All-Australian this season, you heard it here first. That would be a ridiculous call. That would be... Ridiculous calls are, are basically my thing. It's why I've got a, a section <laughs> named the Will Special. So <laughs> so I think it's probably fair from, from us. And, and, and to kind of like take it another step outside of me just like talking about how much I love G Nance Gorn, the other thing that we get from it is the Bombers really did struggle to nail down a third midfielder last year. Mm. And I think that was the biggest kind of, if you could point to one issue, it was the fact that there wasn't a natural third option because they started the year trying to chop and change between you know, Paige Scott or Joanne Doonan. So some players who'd slightly smaller bodies, some players with AFLW experience, some without. They eventually mm. settled on Maddie Press-Parkas. And then what I think was an inspired choice in Steph Kane, mm. who's got the kind of all-around midfield capability, kind of got a little bit of size, a little bit of running, good kick. But there was never that third option. It was chopping and changing throughout the season. Jackie Vott, Mills Radford, you know, there were games at the beginning of the season with Joanne Doonan. Paige Scott got a run through the midfield. Lily Rose Williamson, when she was playing in the side and looked great, particularly in game one, was getting run through in there. Daria Bannister had an absolutely outstanding game one round against Geelong, where she had 71% midfield time and I think scored a high score of the year there as well. But no one that really stood out as like the, yeah, this is the... This is the player who's going to really take us to the next level. She, this is the one to lock it in. And I think that's because deep down I reckon they knew Gene Nanscorn was going to be that player when they were making this list. Yeah, and I love the way you say that uh, Essendon's midfield just settled for a W Award winner and Matty Prasparkas in there. Um, oh, okay, settled <laughs> into a rhythm, not settled uh, as though she wasn't the marquee selection when they made the team. Uh, but you, you have mentioned in that list of players who have gone through that midfield, your number two player. So we'll move on to number two. Who's your number two, Liam? So number two was a little bit more difficult because I think the kind of next two players sit a couple of rungs below in the fantasy, like super hierarchy of players I want on my side. Number two was another player that we talked about a lot during the season last year, and that's Paige Scott who is, like, I know that we we really hate, like, AFLM comparisons, but her striking similarity to what Jake Stringer does for the men's team of the Bombers is almost, like, too hard to look away from. Like, she has an extreme amount of power. She's a great mark. She is a bit of a bully sometimes. And that bully 
kind of mentality when the ball was on the ground was sometimes wildly swinging in our favour. She loved to tackle, particularly when she had CBAs. And then other times it was woefully against us because she would get frustrated if she hadn't been near the ball, give away about four free kicks in a minute. And I might I might be exaggerating with a minute, but it may have actually been less than five minutes. She gave away four free kicks in a fourth quarter against West Coast when every single other person was scoring. No, I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> yeah, and I, that was the thing I was going to bring up, which is she's such an insanely talented player, but... In terms of the fantasy, she gives away so many free kicks, which really hurts, especially in the AFLW. And we can't talk about Paige Scott without talking about her lowest score of last year. Yeah, that was bad, wasn't it? Yep. Can you remind everyone what that might have been? Minus one. It was minus one. Now, thankfully, she wasn't in my side. Rip if you had (laughs) still in yours. But a minus one against Brisbane. Now... No one from the Bombers really did that well against Brisbane. Like, let's be fundamentally clear. Like, Maddie Prespark has had 100, and then there were, you know, a handful of scores. There was one other score above 70, and then there was a lot below 40. It was an absolute capitulation. Shout out, though, to Danny Marshall, who broke the record in that game for most exit uh, D50 exit kicks. I think it was like 14, mm. which is too of, higher than the record previously. And that's because Brisbane bloody couldn't kick straight. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Paige Scott, wildly inconsistent, both in you know her impact on the game, but then also her fantasy scoring. Mm. Highs of 70 and then a, and a lower minus one. And I think it's really important as well to say, first season, 18 years old, if that consistency can come... This season, fantastic, but she's going to be one to keep an eye on in future seasons because you know that she's going to have a season where she absolutely explodes. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of those things as well where I, I, I'd i be trepidatious this year picking her, but I can see at least 10 points of upside just from another off-season and then a score in there where it's not minus one, it's 40, and that takes her average up from four. She'll be priced at, what, 41? Yeah, 41 in an interesting area for, for forwards. It'll price up on below the Hannah Ewings of the world and a, a little bit below, um, oh, my God, what's her name from West Coast? Um, the other forward who was taken in the draft. Oh, Ella Roberts. Now Ella Roberts. Yeah. Priced a little bit, like, kind of in that area. I think she probably has the lowest floor by far of the three oh, of yeah. them. A negative but, score is a pretty low floor. <laughs> yes, that is. I, I can't think of many fantasy-relevant players I've discussed having flaws in the negatives. But she's just, like, so extremely talented and she looked so good in those games in the midfield that she's a watch at the mm. very, very minimum because she has that potential. Yep, classic will watch and wait there. Um, we'll, move, we'll move on to your number three pick. And this is a player who we've already mentioned is a, a big inclusion and it's what she can do in the back half that's really, really important. Liam, who's your number three? Brooke Brown comes in. She'll be priced at 54. We've seen what she can do at North Melbourne, and that's in a side competing for the top four with other defenders who can also score. Like, mm. you'll hear us. We'll have a chat later in the year with a North Melbourne player, and, you know, it, it's a laundry list of possibilities of players to take marks in that back line. And, you know, in previous years, she's had, you know, Jess Duffin already back there. She'd had um, 
uh, Emma Carney taking points away. Mm. Like it, and she'd even then managed to take her average up from 11 in her first season up to a pretty good level at 53, which kind mm. of puts her in maybe tier three, tier four of defenders. Yeah. You, you're probably looking at it maybe at best a, a D3 with that sort of average, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I'm thinking more like in terms of like top six or like top five. Like if you put them as tiers, it's like there's, you know, the 70 or 80 to averaging ones. Then you kind of get into the 60s and then maybe those like those mid 50s. And, and Brooke Brown was a, a, would have been a good pick a couple of years ago. Didn't really do much extra last year, but showed that it wasn't just a flash in the pan and has that capability. I'm of the mind that she's guaranteed to be a defender and she'll have the additional advantage of she'll easily be the tallest defender at the Bombers who will play every game. There were, you know, there was clearly no one necessarily owned all the kick-ins last year. I would have said that it was like maybe half to Danny Marshall, a quarter to Elise Gamble, and then a smattering to players that were coming in and out of the side, Ash Van Loon, Morks, Sophie Van der Heuvel. There and half, definitely, half of those Danny Marshall ones came from that Brisbane game as well, I reckon. Like, like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding, eight Eight of 27 came in that Brisbane game. It's ridiculous. But I think if you were looking to kind of create your side and, and we really are struggling for that D3 option, I think you'd do a lot worse than Brooke Brown because I just don't see it getting worse. Yeah, I can, I can see Brooke Brown quite easily averaging 60, which is a six-point upside, earn a little bit of money. I think that you're right. She's got a thumping kick, Brooke Brown, which will definitely appeal to the North coaching group as someone who can take those kickouts, but also someone who can sort of be that outlet player as well. Um, so I, I definitely think there is a fair bit of upside there. And it's a player that might might find her way into my team depending on how my team structures up. And, like, think about it this way. You know, we both rate massively Charlie Thomas at West Coast. Mm. Charlie Thomas averaged 59. Brooke Brown averaged 53. I would say pretty comfortably that I reckon Brooke Brown has more upside than Charlie Brown. Charlie, Charlie Thomas, Brown. Yeah. Charlie Brown. Yep, that's exactly who I meant to say. Yep, going to, going straight to peanuts here, but um, uh, yes. but I, I, like I, I honestly, I would I would be pretty comfortable in saying that like Brooke Brown, a sixty, and yeah. then that's not that far off. Like we had Katie Lynch both in our sides last year. She averaged sixty two. Oh. I didn't have Katie Lynch, and I was very happy not to because she was very uh, frustrating. That was, but. that was such a roller coaster. Roller okay, coaster. Okay, we're getting we're getting we're getting sidetracked here. We could talk about last season for far too long. I just reckon yep. Brooke Brown is another player that, yep. when we come around to making our side, you could make a lot worse choices for players with that kind of upside. Particularly Absolutely. in a year where we don't really have like we don't have that defender who's going to become a midfielder. There's not like a slam dunk up front for us to take. Mm, yeah, I agree, and. I think she is a, a really good option in that regard. And we've talked a bit about, you know, Essendon being a side that probably gets a few more um, entries into their forward line, so that helps as well. So, yeah, I can see a lot of upside for Brooke Brown. Um, I'm going to keep the peanuts uh, theme going because the next player you've picked is someone who's going to be worth peanuts, which is what we love <laughs> to hear from our rookies. <laughs> Who you've got that number four? That was slick. That was Thank you. very, I was pretty very proud of that slick. One. I was pretty proud of that one. So... The, the fourth player on the list is uh, coming off the back of Jess Bushner's recommendation, and that's Mia Bush. 
And that's mainly because she will be a bargain-priced defender who sounds like she might have some midfield time. And that's kind of it, really. Yeah, like, I, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, to be honest. <laughs> like, how bad can it be? Like, we had Bridie Kennedy in our side last year. She was 30, 35. Like, we just need something ticking over that's not, like, in the teens. Now, mm. I'm going to caveat this by saying... She didn't exactly average a lot last year, Mia Bush. She, um, you know, averaged 22 and a half in her two games. But it, from what Jess was saying, and, you know, she'd not only know kind of having been around some good players, but then also being a fantasy watcher and player would kind of know what to expect of players that look like they're going to take the jump. I'm going to take a word for it. She's going to go on my list of players that I'm watching in the preseason. And if she's playing round one, you know, there's, there's all po- any possibility she's at my D6. Yeah, I can't fault that, to be honest. Um, it's, but there's, then a, for, there's not really much to, there's not really yeah. much to argue about. Like, yeah. There's not a massive amount of scoring pedigree, but mid, potential rookie. midfielder, defensive rookie. status, rookie. So sure. be it. Chuck her in. Absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, midfielders, number five, we've got someone who's at the complete opposite end of the scoring, uh, the scoring, scoring scale. Spectrum. Uh, Liam, number five, who have you got? I've got Maddie P. And, yeah. you know, it's it's mainly because, I, like, I love the Dons, but it was what? not exactly easy <laughs> to come up with, you know, super fantasy relevant options for this year. As hard as it is to admit that, you know, we're not stacked with a million different players to select. There wasn't necessarily some really, you know, a full laundry list, Sydney style of like 14 different players I want to pick. Maddie Presparkis is someone I'm putting on there because in all likelihood, all it takes is one bad game at the beginning of the year and she's immediately an upgrade target. Yeah, completely And that's, agree that's with the you. main way to think about it because she has the capacity to dominate in a midfield kind of unchecked by anyone else. Like... Thinking about the Bombers' scorers last year, it was Maddie averaging basically 90, and then the next highest averaging midfielder was 62 in Steph Kane, who had a good season. Like, there's no other player in there that's taking points away from her. What about Nance Gorn? Well, oh, yeah, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, And... Funnily enough, I, I was talking to someone who talked about the fact that part of the reason why Georgia Nanskorn is such a good midfielder is because she is so good with the ball of her feet, and that's because as a hockey player, she's probably faster running with her hands on the ground than she is standing upright, which hilarious, <laughs> and also, of course, that makes perfect sense. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that all it takes is one bad game from Maddie Presparkas and she'll be someone that we'll be trading in. She has the ceiling, like, even yeah. in games where the Bombers are getting smacked, she can score, you know, hundreds, 110s. She had one bad game against Sydney, and that's because she was tagged like it was going out of fashion by, you know, one of the few teams that was running a, a dedicated hard tag out of anyone mm. in the comp. I, I can't see... I just... I just don't see her being that bad, even if she yeah. drops like four points of upside. All it takes is one bad game, and then she'll be going down priced at 80, bang, get her in. I agree. And like her three-game run from round five to round seven, 111, 100, 111 again, against some pretty good opposition in Collingwood and Brisbane, and then Geelong, who were quite stingy on the points. 
you know what you're going to get from Prasparkas. So I think maybe not one to start with, but definitely an upgrade target later in the season. And I think it could be quite a unique one. Definitely not a player to start with. I'm not yeah. starting with Maddie Prasparkas. But she's definitely a player that's like at one of those first step upgrade targets. I need one tagged game and bang, she'll be into my side like a week later. Yeah, sounds good. Now, 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 yeah, Will, I get to throw to you for the Will special. The Will special. Um, I've gone for a player who was also a draftee last season. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, you're not picking someone that's over 30. It's not a Will special. No, well, my Will special are the wildly speculative youngsters or experienced players who I think will come good again, and I'm going for the wildly speculative youngster this time. Um, and it's not really that speculative because she's a former pick four, and that's Amber Clark. Um, <laughs> speculative picks a player in a bumper draft who goes to top yeah. five. Yeah, Amber Clark. Uh, she looked good in season seven, and you can definitely attest a bit more to that because you were a keen watcher of the Bombers, as you'd expect from a Bomber supporter. But um, we know she's going to be super talented. Um, she's a small chance to be listed as a forward at this stage. We're probably expecting her to be a midfielder, so she might end up being one of those players you pick as a, a cheap well, I, option I who can, awkward. yeah, who can just jump up. Expect improvement in a midfield role. But if you've got Nanscorn sitting there, go for Nanscorn. Yeah. I, I will say that the, the Bombers are clearly thinking of her long-term as a midfielder. They they had her playing a bunch of VFLW games in the off-season as a much more pure inside midfielder, whereas last year she was a half-forward wing. I think the thing that will really scupper that in the AFLW side this season is the fact that Cat Phillips is out. And Amber Clark is a very natural full-time winger. She has that speed. She could probably, like, you know, learn to get, like, you know, could definitely do with a bit of time to get a bit stronger. But I'm not necessarily thinking about her fantasy-wise this year. I think long-term she'll be a player that we'll probably want to, she will probably own because she does have those kind of game-baking traits that a team will look to put through and get the ball to more, but not this year. Yeah, agreed. Well, I think we'll uh, leave it there for Essendon. I hope you've uh, had a great time listening to us. I hope, Liam, you've had a great time talking because I know you love talking to Bombers. Thank you so much to everyone for, for listening to our Clubs in Days. We have another exciting episode coming to you very, very shortly in the Fremantle episode. Uh, you can also check our socials for the best 21s for Essendon, yes, which will be out forget. now. So go check those out. Uh, you can find all those things at FreeKickWPod on Twitter and on Instagram threads, all those various meta things that are now existing. And you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram at WillH underscore VI. And Liam, where can they find you? And you can find me on Twitter at LiamAFLWFantasy. Very good. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>